0: Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny.
1: Welcome to Tasty Pages,
0: a podcast for people who love
1: cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page.
0: We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories,
1: including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste.
0: The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear.
1: All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis.
0: Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty tasty pages. Pages. This episode is brought to you by Lusty Monk Mustard, makers of spicy, coarse-ground, small-batch mustards with a signature kick.
1: Did you know that in medieval Europe, there was a belief that spicy foods could warm the blood and lead to lustful tendencies?
0: As a result, a few very strict orders of monks were forbidden to eat mustard, lest
1: they fall prey to carnal desires. We've been enthusiastic supporters of Lusty Monk for a while. You may recall we even developed an oddly delicious mustard ice cream using their product.
0: And if mustard ice cream is a bit too adventurous, fear not. This stuff is great on everything. Sandwiches, bratwurst, pretzels, you name it.
1: Lusty Monk is proudly headquartered in Asheville, North Carolina.
0: And you can find their mustard in tap rooms, restaurants, and grocery stores throughout western North Carolina and beyond. You can also order direct at LustyMonk.com.
1: That's L-U-S-T-Y-M-O-N-K.com. Hey, Victoria. Does mustard make you horny?
0: (laughs) This week's featured cookbook is...
1: Korean American by Eric Kim. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Victoria.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm on a quest. Oh, yeah? Uh, Non-ugly running shoes. Listeners, help me out. I'm in the market and like everything I'm looking up online looks like I'm wearing like stuffed animals on my feet
1: (laughs) or like deflated footballs
0: or not a fan. Yeah. And, and then if they're like cool looking, like kind of kicks as the Brits would say, then they're not really uh, designed for running. Yeah. And then I'm got like, you know, shin splints. So do I guess my concern is my, my dilemma is uh, ugly shoes, but, ideal for running or like shin splints and uh fucked up ankles but i'm but i look cool
1: can't you just go for like some uh vintage inspired uh tigers or new balance Ooh,
0: how about i just get some vintage ones like a an old dusty box that someone had in a in a shop room that they're they're like unsold but they're from the 80s or something well,
1: yeah you'll be paying a lot of money for those
0: oh. All right. Well, welcome to episode (laughs) 72 of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. If you visit our website, which is uh, wecookbooks.com, you'll see a store tab that will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page. And we've got a few lists there that we've curated. Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks, Cookbooks, food photography and styling equipment, and fun food finds. You can make a purchase from any of those lists. It won't cost you anything more. We'll get a little something in return. Uh, it's a great way that you can support what we're doing here. And uh, thank you for that. Oh, do you know uh, today is National Sweatpants Day?
1: In our house it is. <laughs> is it really? No, but... <laughs>
0: I think I think for most Americans especially these past 2 years like every day has been national sweatpants day.
1: Well, it's funny because I didn't own a pair of sweatpants up until a couple months ago and now I absolutely love them, but
0: Did you redeem your uh, Marlboro
1: Miles? <laughs> or no. Camel Bucks? But it's funny because <laughs> Virginia Slims vouchers Would you shut up? <laughs> One of the pairs of sweatpants already has some kind of mystery stain on the front. Yeah, I don't know
0: anything about that. (laughs) Oh, that's not what you're talking about. Okay, never
1: mind. But you know, it's sweatpants, so I feel like... (laughs) Oh, I'm sure there are probably
0: some uh, sweatpants that they sell in some... That are
1: pre-stained. Yeah, like a
0: Brooklyn boutique, some bespoke Brooklyn boutique. And they probably have stains on them.
1: They're charging $500 yep. for them. <laughs> if you had a bunch of marble
0: miles to redeem, what would you get? Would you, would you get like the racing jacket?
1: The oh, fanny that, pack? You'd, ha- you'd have to smoke a lot of marbles to get the, to get the racing jacket.
0: I, I had my eyes set on the respirator <laughs> for, the, for the emphysema <laughs> that I would get. Get the Marlboro-branded <laughs> respirator.
1: Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, hey, did, I, I forgot to... I wanted to share with the listeners. I uh, I found an envelope in our building on the way out to uh, the parking garage, and it contained uh, $2. It's American U.S. dollars, hard-cold <laughs> cash, and then a bunch of... Uh, Lottery tickets that mm-hmm. they had purchased, like Powerball numbers and stuff, and uh, there must have been like forty dollars worth of like lottery tickets there, but no, no receipt or name or anything like that. So don't you know? Don't think I was like you know being a dick and not trying to return it to its rightful owner. <laughs> and, the, and the building we live in is attached to a hospital, so I mean, there's like literally oh, thousands there are so of so many people coming and, and going throughout the day, and the and the DMV the. Driver Services Center is like down in the main floor of the building, too. So, like, there's a steady stream of people coming and going. Who knows who it belonged to? Yeah. So, I, I kept it. And then I, <laughs> I looked up the numbers, and I, I think we won a total of $9 Woo. between the $40 that this other person spent.
1: Oh, what a windfall. Before they, before they
0: lost. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, pick out your uh, next car. Oh, uh, okay. okay?
1: <laughs> I'll be sure to do that.
0: Um,
1: Let's tell them what we're drinking. Oh yeah,
0: what's 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 this cocktail that you No 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 margaritas this time. No. We're out of tequila.
1: <laughs> so
0: So taking a, a break from the marg's.
1: There was this coffee shop in our neighborhood that we used to go to that would sell a dirty chai, which is chai with an espresso shot. So I kind of took inspiration from that and I have bourbon, chai and espresso in here. It's delicious. It is delicious. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, I wanted to also mention that I I won't name names, but uh we 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 got a new follower on on Instagram and you know, when people follow us, I'll usually check out their accounts and see what what they're all about and as long as it's not um their feed is not pictures of their ugly baby or I'll they're I'll usually following yeah. back
1: or their name is like hot for you hot sex 2050 No, those are
0: the accounts I wish would follow <laughs> us, but uh sadly None of them do. Uh, but then I started scrolling through the feed, and I re- and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of a beautiful feed." And then I realized that they had taken two of our recent posts and stole the not only the photos but the, the content, the text that I wrote that I that I spent you know so much time crafting, <laughs> um, and you just posted it as if it was their own. No credit given to us at all. Uh-huh. Like didn't tag us. well
1: and also they didn't have a lot of posts it was a fairly it looked like a fairly new correct uh account yes and then they had also stolen uh content from an actual like professional food photographer yeah because
0: i i figured well if they did it to us these other photos that are within their feed must belong to someone else and so i just i did my my sleuth uh detective work i I just went to like all the accounts they were following, and it was like a hundred people or something. And it was like the very first uh, account that popped up at the top of the list was this food photographer who had these gorgeous photos. Mm-hmm. And I started matching them up to like all these other posts. So I, I sent them a DM and was like, "Hey, just a heads up, this person's stealing your content and claiming it as their own." And uh, I feel so victimized.
1: I'm sorry. I'm, I'm
0: gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do something.
1: They did. They did. They did uh, remove our photos. They from did. There, so.
0: Oh, we got a show recommendation. Yes, uh, we just completed watching the uh, first season of the series "The Gilded Age," which is on HBO Max. Oh, it's
1: so and good.
0: Although not strictly about food, I felt it was worth mentioning because food plays a very prominent role within the series. There's there's lots of scenes in the episodes where you know the the goings on behind the scenes mm-hmm. in the in the, in the kitchen of the mansion. So. Let's see how would we describe this so it it uh, the name if that doesn't give it away it's like 19th century Upper East Side, New York.
1: It's like the time of the robber barons, like yes. the Astors and Rockefellers. And, and- you
0: have, and, and I, I love the, this article that we will we'll reference in a second. They they describe this, uh, it, it, there's a few different families that are kind of the focus. So there's like the Russell family, which is uh, described as new money, new in- money. interlopers, <laughs> carpetbaggers. So, so the the husband is a, you know, a robber, robber baron, as you said, and, and they've got this... like like newly acquired wealth and then they're mingling in high society with like the Van Ryan family which is like old money mm-hmm. from from England. Uh it just you know the and the the new money people are trying to break into the society circles They're
1: they're firmly looked down upon. Yes, they are. And okay, other than talking about the food, the costuming Yes. is in Sane. If you're a fan
0: of fashion and, and like costumes for like movies and television. Historical like is, fashion. Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: Beautiful.
0: Uh, very opulent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of eye candy. And um, I'll, I'll link this article from Vulture.com in the show notes. But uh, they had a great article that kind of relates to one scene. And, and I'll try not to spoil it too much. But if you haven't seen it. Uh, spoiler alert the New Money Russell family Bertha Russell the matriarch of the family is uh, hosting a a dinner party in an effort to like break into this upper upper crust east side Mm -hmm. high society and she invites all the prominent fixtures in that social circle and hardly anyone shows up and they created this elaborate tablescape (sighs) of food which was just like overflowing with a bounty of different things, including uh, 50 to 60 lobsters. Mm -hmm. There was, I saw some croquembouche on there. Mm -hmm.
1: There was some meat pies. Yes.
0: Uh, Cakes. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of like within there just put like all kinds of like leaves and foliage. It looked beautiful. It was a beautiful spread. It was a
1: literal mountain of food. Yes. And the team
0: behind creating that was interviewed for this vulture article a uh, prop master Michael Jortner and food stylist Colin Flynn and they had a small team of people assisting them and they created this this tablescape and they were just talking about you know kind of behind the scenes like how they did it and I think a bulk of the food was actually real
1: I I, I think they said other than some cakes at the end of the table yeah most of the food was real and a lot of it was tweaked to um To adhere with some of the cast and crew's dietary guidelines.
0: Well, and in addition to creating that, like there are many scenes throughout the series where the actors are eating food as they're acting a scene and they were tasked with preparing this food. And and in, in some cases, like you don't know whether the actor is going to nail it on the first take and barely eat anything, or they might be sitting there for hours working on this scene and you have to prepare, you know, enough food to be ready for if in the, the event that happens. Well,
1: and the same thing applies for like when, when the staff are in the kitchen and they're doing kitchen business. Right. Like, will they nail it in one take? Yeah. Will it take 50 takes? Someone's
0: got to chop vegetables. Yes. Someone's got to, you know, do a loaf of bread or something. And uh, yeah, like you said, they, you know, all the actors have different maybe dietary restrictions. And so they had to like craft these different dishes to match up with their, with their needs. So it was kind of a fascinating article. It's not a very long read, Nope. but the show is worth checking out. Absolutely. Lots of food porn, lots of fashion porn. Mm -hmm. Should we talk about what we are currently working on?
1: Uh yeah, well, we're not really working on one thing right now. We're doing one-offs. Um we're like looking through books and uh right now any books that ha- that are like kind of bread or pasta heavy cuz I'm not really crazy about gluten-free pasta. Yeah. And we seem to have a lot of them. Like I can't really it's it's a challenge, yeah, for us. So a lot of the stuff we're going to be doing, uh, like one offs, or if it's books that we kind of d- we're just like eh, not, feeling not really feeling it, yeah. So we're just gonna do one offs. We'll pick a recipe and just make something f- from that. And a couple of them include uh Urbia by Rima Sale and for the table by Anna Stockwell. Um,
0: we made something from that uh, Rima Sale book last night. It was a roast chicken. It was delicious. Stuffed with jasmine rice and ground lamb.
1: Yes. And then I also made i made a Japanese cheesecake. Mm. Uh, it, it was from one of the gluten-free baking books that
0: I think it's called Bake Anything Gluten-Free. Yes. There you go.
1: So, And it, it's funny because it came at the perfect time because it was just as I was eliminating... Um, you were
0: going you're beginning your journey
1: yeah (laughs) my (laughs) gluten-free journey um and the cheesecake turned out really nice although i didn't have the correct size pan it called for like a a eight inch round pan i had a nine one whatever i'm not gonna stress out about it so mine wasn't quite as high but the texture was lovely it was delicious what woman's
0: gonna complain about eight or nine inches (laughs) (laughs) that's all i'm saying (laughs) You're on fire! I know. Hey, you want to want to talk about uh, what what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> or would you like me to mention it? Hey. I'll give you a moment. Woo! Yep.
1: Okay, uh, for dinner tonight, we are doing a mustard pork roast and a wedge salad dinner from For the Table.
0: Slow cooker. Slow cooker. That, that uh, pork roast has been in the Dutch oven, in the in the oven on low heat for about five hours at this point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, only about five hours more to go. <laughs> <laughs> We're eating dinner at 10. How very <laughs> European of us. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling you earlier, like uh, you you remember that uh, episode of The Office where where Michael Scott and his his girlfriend uh, invited Jane. yeah invited everyone over for dinner and that's I,
1: actually I, one of my favorite like, episodes. What, what did they
0: make? Do you remember? It was for, something for a dinner party. I want to
1: say it was like a brisket or something. I something. don't remember.
0: And like as people are arriving, they're like, "Yeah, we just threw it in the oven like." <laughs> Wait, doesn't it take, like, seven hours, eight hours? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of what that reminds me of.
1: Oh, and also, like, when we actually start working through another book, like, in full, it's going to be Forest Feast Road Trip by Aaron Gleason.
0: Which is part of that Forest Feast uh, franchise. Uh, We've featured other books from that. Mm Mm-hmm. In our feed, and uh, this is the latest. And we are we already started with a with a cocktail the other day, and it was delicious. So
1: blood orange margarita. Yep. Oh, should we talk about our show question?
0: Yes. All right. So we put this out on the social medias. We got a lot of responses.
1: I love how whenever you're gonna change the subject, you're like. (gasps) (laughs) yep you're very excited (laughs) you're trying to you're trying to
0: (laughs) i think it's just my short attention span. you're
1: trying to gin up some enthusiasm over here someone's got to
0: do it uh okay so the question was what food do you prefer to make at home instead of order at a restaurant and uh we got some great submissions so thank you for that victoria take it away
1: Okay, I wholeheartedly agree with this. Uh, Charlene J said French toast because no one ever makes it right. The secret is to soak the bread for a long time. Yes, like ten minutes. Um, usually, it's just like dipped or whatever. And also use an eggy bread like challah or brioche.
0: No, uh, no white sandwich bread.
1: No white sandwich uh, bread.
0: Someone, someone didn't or, notify Denny's. About or, that.
1: or like the, uh, or use like one of those like. Nine green breads. No, <laughs> no.
0: The, the French toast does not need to be healthy.
1: No. With that bullshit. They said, also cake. Most places serve it cold and it's always dry.
0: That's true. I never thought about yeah. that. Like, you know, they just take the, the cake pan out of the refrigerator where it's been sitting there covered and they cut a slice and then they bring it out to you and it's like ice cold.
1: You know what I love to do as a kid and I haven't done it for a long time is to jump rope. No. Go on a swing? <laughs> I've I've been on a swing oh. like not too long ago. It always makes me laugh. Anyway, this, thank you for rudely interrupting uh-huh. me. Um, <laughs> you're trying to get me off track here. So I'm here for it? <laughs> I, I like I used to heat up a piece of cake, pour a little bit of uh, milk, and then you smash it up and so you're, eat it. That kind of doing a
0: little uh, tres leches action, kind the, of.
1: Well, uno leches. Yes. <laughs> 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 You're making your own thing. But it's so it, mm, so good.
0: Uh, my Aunt Barb said, just about everything tastes better made at home. She's not wrong.
1: I really actually like Aunt Barb a lot. Um, Dan E. said, almost any chicken dish, particularly roast chicken. Amen. I agree. The only time I've ever had better roast chicken than what we make is at... Bouchon. I remember that. I feel like I'm laughing excessively. Well,
0: it's because of my humor. Uh, sure, I'm on fire today. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> I
1: sound like such a jackass.
0: Tim W said burritos. My wife makes the best burritos ever.
1: I don't know, man.
0: I'm I'm kind of a big fan of uh, going to a taqueria and oh, get some. Hell yeah. especially when they like grill them on a flat top or something.
1: Yes, and it gets like the I, outside gets a little crunchy. I don't know if I
0: can replicate that at mm-hmm. home.
1: Mm-hmm. Mikey B said, "I like how I just call him Mikey B. Yep. Um, spaghetti with meat sauce. Yeah,
0: I don't think spaghetti is something I would order at a restaurant.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Yeah, and no. I can and I can understand how like if you kind of labor over the 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 Sunday gravy as as some people would say, uh, and 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 kind of build it up from there. That that it, that'd be hard to replicate yeah. in a restaurant. At six, Acevo said, shawarma and kebabs." Okay. I don't know, man. Same thing with the burritos. Like, you go into a place and they've got, like, the rotating spit and all that juice dripping down from Eat that oh. lamb and they're shaving off yes. things. Like, mm. I, I can't do that at home.
1: Mm-mm. I don't have a big spit.
0: Maybe, maybe I could, like, take a record player <laughs> and, like, tinker with the electronics so that it goes at a really slow speed and then we could like rig up something so that you know we we can have our own little like rotisserie spit thing going on are we gonna how, make an open about, are
1: how, we gonna make an open flame yes, in here? Can, <laughs> that's pretty how about safe. that how does that idea grab you
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> seems, that seems like a great idea right it <laughs> doesn't,
1: doesn't seem all that safe I'm sorry to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chelsea Lizette said panes con Pavel. Which is a Salvadorian sandwich, and its name literally means turkey bread. It
0: sounds a lot better than saying turkey bread. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let's go get some turkey bread.
0: Turkey bread sounds like something that you would go and order somewhere. (laughs) Um, At Cookbook Destination said salad. And uh, yeah, I have to agree. Mm. Like,. I mean, I'll order a salad from time to time at a restaurant, but I think if I were to make one at home, I could probably whip up one to my very specific tastes and and liking better than like a restaurant could. Mm -hmm. So
1: I get it. Um, At What Alexis Cooked uh, said, the fresh spring rolls I make at home are always better than takeout. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Challenge accepted. That's When's our invite? Yeah, right? Because uh, I don't know. That's another thing that I I don't know if I could co-sign on at Linda Hartlob said meatloaf. Okay. Huh? I could see that too. Totally. Yeah. I, you're not a big fan of meatloaf though.
1: I'm not. Which is
0: unfortunate because like I, I kind of like it from time to time. I
1: know. And we have a recipe that ha- that like has lots of mustard. You know, and it's got it's-
0: mustard and bacon on top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe we should make it.
0: Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to jump at this opportunity <laughs> cuz this doesn't come along more than like a few a few years. It's it's like uh
1: We haven't made it in a long time. We have Okay, not. challenge this week. You're making I, that, I, you I, are making some meatloaf.
0: I could make this while you're at your pottery class yes. and you could come home to delicious smells in the condo and a meatloaf ready for you on the table.
1: What are you going to make with it?
0: Uh, d- nothing. No, We're just I haven't meatloaf. Nope.
1: <laughs> I think you need to do mashed potatoes. Okay. Oh, um, and then on the topic of meatloaf, uh, at, uh, at, give me meatloaf our for Annie. Hi, Annie. She said barbecue. Barbecue. Yeah. We've had barbecue at their place. Uh, because they had a party once and they had the smoker going and the grill going and it was delicious and it makes me so sad that you don't have the smoker anymore. I know. Oh,
0: um, at Maxwell Gregory 2018 said soup. Yeah. And see, that's not something I would order at a restaurant either. So
1: I, unless I get it's it. French onion soup. There you go. I love French onion soup. What would you have for your picks? Okay. So the first one is kind of a conundrum for me.
0: I know what you're going to say. Fried chicken, yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: because because that's on my list as well. <laughs> because I
1: feel like often we a lot of fried chicken we've had from places is really bland, and i or just
0: kind of underwhelming. Yeah, uh, we we had some not too long ago, and they actually uh, when you get takeout from from this place, they they put the chicken in a bucket similar to what you'd get from like KFC. But the problem is, like, with that lid on there, by the time you get home, that chicken is kind of steamed inside, and so the skin is no longer crisp. Mm-hmm. It's like, kind of soggy. Yeah. So, like, that that's the kind of stuff that I'm unfortunately accustomed to getting at restaurants is, like, something that's just kind of underwhelming because it's just not quite right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, anyway, and, like, continue.
1: Like, when I make it, like, I'll soak it in buttermilk that's loaded up with spices, and, and then, like, I... I'll also um, put a ton of spices in the flour mixture. Which as no you should, does. right?
0: What else you got on your list?
1: Uh, chili. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: It's been speaking of things we haven't had in a long time. I know.
1: Um, I feel like chili is always loaded with so many beans. I was gonna
0: say I can understand why you would have that on your list because you're you're kind of bean phobic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it comes to chili. As far as seasoning goes, like I like it like. More smoky hot than like hot hot, and some places like chili is not hot; it's like not spicy at all.
0: So is is it Texas chili that doesn't have the beans? Mm-hmm. Is that the style of mm-hmm. chili? Okay, all
1: right. So I'm firmly in Texas chili camp. I, you know what? And salads too. Like sure. I'm I'm super particular about dressing. Yes. Like when we make dressing, we don't use the uh, three to one ratio.
0: And anyone that follows us for any length of time knows your feelings about ranch.
1: Yes, and I hate ranch dressing,
0: <laughs> um, and Thousand Island for that matter.
1: Yes, and like I would prefer a hate when when salads are like pre-dressed.
0: Do you think you would like Thousand and One Island better? Prob- or same, no, same? probably okay. not. Just checking.
1: Um. So yeah, I, I'm. I like need. It's one of those we really, like weird like. Uh, I have, like, I honestly have to say, it's one of those weird, like, eating disorder control hang-ons. Well, see,
0: now you can't do croutons either, so you know, I know you can't have those in the salad. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, what about you? Uh, fried chicken, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Barbecue. So, like back when we had our house, and I had the ability to, you know, labor over a smoker all day, and and you know tend to it, throw our our oh. ribs on, those are some of the best ribs and the best barbecue that I've ever had.
1: And also, you know what I love to do? I love to go down and stay in front of the smoker and just yes. let the... Kind of like campfire. <laughs> just yeah. let the... just. And then I wouldn't take a shower the next day. I'd be like, I smell like smoke. I love it. Yep. It's the best kind of smoke.
0: Yeah. And uh, on a related note, Bacon.
1: Like yes. like when I could smoke,
0: we you know we would go through this process of curing and smoking our own bacon, which would take you know from start to finish uh, about ten days, fourteen days, and oh, um, man, we would buy like giant slabs of of pork belly with the skin on, and 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 you know do the whole curing thing and make our bacon, and then we would portion it out into like half pound portions freeze them Mm -hmm. and then we just always had home smoked bacon on hand. you know
1: what we need to do i realize we don't have put a smoker in the uh, condo no i don't think that's wise okay um maybe do it on a smaller scale but like cure some pork belly here Mm -hmm. and then go use your brother's smoker sure and then he gets some free bacon for the trouble and we get to spend time with the girls yeah
0: it's kind of like that, that phrase, uh, hey, brother, can you spare a smoker? <laughs> it's, it's,
1: I'm not sure that I know that one. Yeah, it's pretty popular. Okay.
0: All right. Should we talk about this book? Um, finally. All right. <laughs> Korean-American. It, it's not the, the destination. It's the journey. Right. Uh, Korean-American. So uh, this book has been receiving a lot of well-deserved love online. We knew exactly upon paging through it that we'd be featuring it. And it didn't take long for us to get started. Um, it's written by Eric Kim, who, among other things, was a staff writer at the New York Times. So he's kind of coming at this from writing background, and uh, as a result, the pages are filled with it's kind P- of a memoir, personal essays. Yes, the essays. writing is
1: very, very good
0: as and and lengthy and, mm-hmm. and prominent, in, mm-hmm. in you know, so it's it's almost like a cookbook written by a writer rather than by like a chef or, yes. or, or i mean i i'm sure he would consider himself like a home cook but he doesn't have any like formal training but but also kind of from this unique perspective of him being like a first generation korean american so mm-hmm. it's not strictly like what someone would consider like a korean cookbook quote right. unquote it's it's these foods that he grew up on that were kind of this like hybrid of you know his korean parents who immigrated here
1: well and he like talks about how there were no korean stores and uh so his mom would buy like jalapenos right and she found out that she just kind of likes them so even even though she has access to those now she still uses jalapenos Mm -hmm. and that has kind of become her style and that's how he learned to make stuff
0: what I what I really took away from reading the, the, the pages at the beginning of the book was uh, he was, and, and this was kind of like an introduction into the first chapter in the book, which is called like TV dinners. And he was talking about like how, you know, most kids would come home from school, sit in front of the TV and watch like cartoons or something. He was watching Food Network and watching mm-hmm. cooking shows. And so that was his introduction to food and cooking were like eating these meals on the couch in front of cooking shows and that kind of sparked his passion for all things food and cooking.
1: Oh, you mean back when the food network actually had cooking shows? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And but but then I then I started kind of thinking in terms
0: of, you know, how he doesn't have any formal culinary training. And so he was kind of forming his like knowledge of of cooking through these shows mm-hmm. much like he wasn't born in Korea but he's like you know it's part of his heritage but he's not drawing inspiration for these recipes directly from Korea so like anyone who like picks this book up maybe expecting to you know find like authentic korean cooking is not going to find that right. because you know it's it's like he's doing all this stuff adjacently and so I then that, anyway that was I don't know how I'm, I'm I'm probably not articulating it well but that was that was my takeaway from from all this so uh, anything else before we dive into the dishes?
1: I don't think so. Okay. Um, I'll give a little bullet point. First, we started off with spam kimchi and cabbage stir fry. Then there's a uh, salt and pepper ribs with fresh mint sauce. Aunt Georgia's soy sauce fried chicken with jalapenos, raw Brussels sprouts, machim, machim, machim. Uh, and I heard you like l- looking up how to pr- pronounce this, and I'm still like can't. Yep,
0: pronounce it. Because we, we got a professional operation here. <laughs> Don't want to mispronounce anything. It'd <laughs> be so un, uncharacteristic of the show.
1: And salt and pepper pork chops with the vinegared scallions. And when I was looking at this list, I was like, holy shit, we did two salt and pepper we pork did. dishes. <laughs> like, hey,
0: not complaining. Uh, but, yeah. I know. Uh, let's start with spam kimchi and cabbage stir fry. Okay. Hawaiian steak. That's what they call Spam in Hawaii.
1: We didn't eat a lot of Spam growing up. However, when I was uh, in school, on Pancake Day, the cafeteria would serve us stuff called meat sticks.
0: You guys had Pancake
1: Day? (laughs) We did have Pancake Day, which was basically um, little rods of uh, Spam. Oh. I fucking loved it. It was so good. Did you ever
0: see that movie, Spam Rods? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, wasn't very good.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, and like, you know, when you can cook with spam, take the opportunity.
0: Well, and South Korea consumes more spam than any other country aside from the US. so it kind of makes sense that this would be you know, if you were Korean American that this would be part of your upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what'd you think of this? I mean, it was, it was, a, I, I find spam in general a little too sodium it's, heavy. It's very
1: salty. Yes.
0: Not, not known for its nutritious content.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was tasty. I mean, it was super simple to make. Like, what you do is you start stir frying the spam. You do that for a few minutes. and you add kimchi for a couple more minutes. And then you add your onion and cabbage. And you cook that until it's like, and yeah, I
0: believe you picked this dish out of the I book. I did. Which is funny because this is normally the kind of thing that I would like pick.
1: You'd be like, oh, spam, be funny. let's do
0: it. And so to my surprise, I think you went through this book first and mm-hmm. started marking up pages and this was one of your choices and I wasn't going to argue with it. Yeah.
1: Before you so rudely, no, just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of rudely <laughs> interrupting this episode. Oh, um. No. Uh, I'm eating alone tonight. (laughs) You can go have dinner in the bedroom. I'm gonna go
0: cry in the corner and eat my uh, my slow cooked pork.
1: So uh, all like the veggies get cooked till they're like not raw, but they're still nice and crunchy. I liked it. It was very like spam is very salty, and it's a very very simple dish. Mm -hmm. And I get how like. It'd be a good drunk food, honestly, sure. because you want something super easy. Sure. And like if you have some like leftover rice, yeah, in the fridge. Totally. You just whip that up like a
0: like, Sunday morning, like hangover meal. Yes. Or or like a late night, like Saturday night. You're just about ready to pass out. Yeah. You you've you've fallen asleep on the couch, uh, with din- diners, drive-ins, and dives playing on the TV. And you wake up with the dog licking your face, and you decide you're hungry and you're going to throw something together before you go to bed.
1: Sure. Right? Sure. That's quite
0: the elaborate scenario that I created there.
1: Yes. <laughs> what, what,
0: what, what should we talk about next? Salt and pepper ribs? Oh. Uh, uh, this was a twofer.
1: It was, it was, um, because there was one that we... Okay, so we did we did salt and pepper ribs with a fresh mint sauce, and then... Gochujang. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: there for you, see? (laughs) That was perfect.
1: It was supposed to be zucchini. Sounded just like you, too. It did. It was supposed to be zucchini with fried scallions, but we were like, we're gonna do it with broccoli. I think it was broccolini. Broccolini. Yeah. And that's why we didn't like feature it as a thing on its own because yeah. we, we just like use the sauce and put it on a different, mm-hmm. uh, on a different vegetable.
0: I mean, it was delicious. I'm, I I make no apologies for uh, subbing out the broccolini. No. Anything else to say about this dish?
1: Well, okay. So the ribs, we use baby back ribs. Mm-hmm. They get coated with a lot of salt and pepper and then they get baked and And then they're served with a really nice, like, zesty mint sauce, which Mm -hmm. has mint and vinegar and sugar.
0: We were supposed to garnish the dish with additional mint.
1: And we forgot. Yeah.
0: There might have been wine involved.
1: Probably. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Didn't make it onto the plate. And I really, I really, the mint sauce was, like, a nice surprise for me. I thought it was lovely and bright and.
0: Just what that dish
1: needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and then for the broccoli, the the sauce was goku jang. Uh
0: Gochujang.
1: So, oh it was good.
0: <laughs> no, and I'm the, like
1: "Jang." No, you said it right. I'm like I'm like giving it a hard A. Uh I'm like so stressed out about saying it. Uh it gives you
0: anxiety. <laughs> totally.
1: You're so oh like, god
0: like pronunciation and anxiety. I
1: know. We use tamari instead of soy sauce. Yeah. Uh, brown sugar sesame oil and some grated garlic and then that gets topped off with some sliced fried scallions
0: they make stuff in the stores now that they market as gluten-free soy sauce probably because like the average shopper does not know what tamari is Mm -hmm. and so they just you know you just label it as gluten-free soy Mm -hmm. sauce and it flies off the shelf yep I mean, th- these these were great. I, mean, I felt like we we had a lot of meat for this oh, for this. Uh, well, cookbook. and then we did the
1: salad book right after yeah, this because we, we were like to. we, we it, need a break. Yes. So <laughs> uh,
0: be forewarned, this is not a, what anyone would consider like a, a plant based uh, cookbook, and and we really had to like embrace the meats for this um, one.
1: Eric did actually very consciously put in a vegetable section instead of doing wasn't it in instead of doing a Korean barbecue yes and yeah I
0: will we'll talk about that okay. in a second but yeah that I mean because like he didn't want this to be this stereotypical like you know that's probably one of the first things that people's minds go to when they think of like Korean cooking or a Korean cookbook and he didn't want it to be like another Korean barbecue cookbook mm-hmm. kind of thing so that leads us into aren't George's soy sauce fried chicken with Jalapenos. And you could, a fried chicken you can actually eat. Yes. That's gluten free.
1: Yes. Uh, it was coated with potato starch rather than traditional flour. Mm-hmm. This got double fried.
0: Double fried. Double
1: fried. And then at the end, it was coated in this sauce, which was um, brown sugar, soy, and jalapeno. It was so delightfully crispy. Mm hmm. Um,
0: Unfortunately, it made a complete mess of our kitchen.
1: I ser- I seriously felt traumatized <laughs> when we were all done and I was just looking at the grease and I was like, okay, got to break out the degreaser. Oh my God. And we had just cleaned our kitchen yeah. too. And so I was like, I am I just have to reclean this whole entire area.
0: It looked like one of those like EPA disaster areas, oh like yeah, an oil spill or something. It, it was, it, it, it yeah. Be forewarned. I mean, I, I'm i glad we made this dish. It was delicious as fuck.
1: Although, boy. you know what? We, we we're kind of dummies because we probably, we did it in a cast iron skillet. We probably could have done it in the cast iron Dutch oven. I True. think I think that would have minimized some of the splats.
0: You are probably correct.
1: It was delicious. Yes. And I was craving fried chicken at the time, so...
0: Yeah, like every six months or so, we just have to like be reminded of why we don't make fried chicken more mm-hmm. often at home because... Uh, well,
1: and it's funny because I've been thinking about, like I've been thinking <laughs> about it again too. I'm like, oh, I really
0: Well, want. being gluten-free, it kind of rules out most fried chicken mm, that you would order in right? a restaurant Right, absolutely. Or so you, you, you might have to do it out of necessity. Yeah. All right, let's move on to raw Brussels sprout machim, I believe is how you pronounce the, it. Yes.
1: So this recipe is traditionally made with fruit and machim means to season or mixed. Mm-hmm. But this was like an alternative recipe to the fruit. Uh, and it's just like shaped Brussels sprouts. They're dressed yeah. with vinegar, garlic, sesame oil, and gokujaru. gochugaru. Go-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> And most And like most of the time, I feel like when we make a Brussels sprout Wait, dish, it's like... Yeah, but yeah. also
1: fish sauce and sugar. Oh, yeah. Sorry.
0: sorry. <laughs> Finish your thought.
1: Stop stepping on me. Yeah, I know.
0: With Brussels sprouts, I feel like most of the time we're roasting them mm-hmm. as the preparation. And so this was kind of a, a nice thing where you just keep them raw, shave them, mix them in with all this yummy stuff.
1: They were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then finally, we did salt and pepper pork chops with vinegared scallions.
0: You know what happens to scallions when you put them in cold water?
1: They curl up. Yeah. Mhm. Little,
0: little food styling tip for you. Mhm. And then you just kind of pile them up in a big nest, scallion mm-hmm. nest.
1: We we actually did do this a little bit different because the recipe called for hard, hard searing the pork chops and then like finishing them off in the oven, but we actually sous vide them mm-hmm. and then did the hard sear at the i'm end.
0: telling you people sous vide will change your life so anytime that we do like pork chops or steaks these days even if the recipe calls for a different method we don't fuck around with that no. it's just it's just you know throw it in the sous vide bath and sear away
1: um and i love pork chops because it's, it's like a leaner cut of meat um it used to be cheap but now like meat prices are insane yes kind
0: of a a, a, i guess i wouldn't say recent discovery at this point because we've been eating them for like a decade but our 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 initial exposure to pork chops back in the day was like the thin
1: (sighs) they were super thin they're like an eighth of an inch
0: (laughs) yep and they were just like cooked you know overcooked until dry and sawdust. They were
1: like, oh, it was like, it, it was like if you um, bit into like press board. Yeah. And so as a result,
0: <laughs> we both kind of just thought we didn't like pork chops. And then it was, I remember, remember when we had like the bone in thick cut pork chop, it was like a revelation.
1: So the scallions, um, they get fried <laughs> and they get a sauce that's uh, gochugaru, brown sugar Salt and pepper, some rice wine vinegar, and then there's also a dipping sauce for the pork chops that is brown sugar and sesame oil and salt and pepper. Yeah, this was great. Mm-hmm.
0: Anything else? I don't think so. Let's
1: move on to our rankings.
0: Uh, before we do so, we've got a critical Amazon review to discuss. And this one comes from Grace. You want me to do it? Sure. All right. She gives it two out of five stars. And she says, uh, meh, <laughs> shoulder shrug. <laughs> I'm confused by this book. Garnishing with dried seaweed or drizzling sesame oil doesn't make it Korean, quote unquote. Unfortunately, that's as Korean as some of these recipes get. Uh, seems more like a storybook of his life and childhood nostalgic foods. I was hoping for more everyday cookable Korean American recipes. American was kind of in like parentheses, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe she was like misinformed that this was going to be like some kind of authentic Korean cookbook or something, right? Which is not.
1: And I don't especially feel like there were a lot of recipes that were finished with sesame oil and, and seaweed, <laughs> right? Like no, and and
0: I mean, in in all fairness to it, I mean that was a two out of five. I think that was the only one. And then I think all the remaining reviews were like four and five star. I mean, this this book deserves all the praise that it's been receiving. Uh-huh. And uh there you go. Uh uh-huh. let's move on to our rankings. Food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria?
1: I gave it a four point five. This the photos have a very, very uh to me it's like an eighties aesthetic. It looks like there was to me, it looks like there was like this kind of 80s filter put on them, but I appreciate it.
0: Jenny Huang is the photographer. Yes. She's got a gorgeous Instagram. Worth checking out.
1: A lot of the photos look like they were taken outside due to like the light and the shadows. And some of them look like they were just like taken in front of a large window. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them at sunset because the shadows are gorgeous. Mm Mm-hmm. There was no set color palette And there were a lot of photos where the print on the plate was It would be like a flower plate on a checkered tablecloth Mm -hmm. Like there were so many dueling patterns Mm -hmm. And you know usually like I feel like a lot of cookbooks are very um
0: Understated.
1: Understated. And this was not at all. And it was like lots of strong colors. And lots the, of pattern. Lots of pattern. The backdrops were like tablecloths for mica tables, blankets. And it had a very vintage, like vintage feel from the dinnerware to the glassware. There were lots of like flat lay tableau type things. Mm-hmm. There were not a ton of like macro shots. I thought that the photos served this book very well.
0: And there was definitely a conscious design choice made mm-hmm. for the book.
1: Mm-hmm. What'd had, you give it? I a
0: point of view. Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. These photos are very polarizing. You're either going to love them or hate them. Uh, I wrote uh, super saturation yes. exclamation point. The yes. colors are very like blown out and saturated, bright, bold, Very editorial, something you would find in like a a product ad or a a magazine spread. I kind of got more of a 70s aesthetic from them. So I thought it was like kind of interesting that you you went like an 80s. See, I got early 80s vibe. I mean, that's so long ago that maybe I'm just confusing the two. (laughs) Um, Retro-inspired surfaces almost as if they were shot on like a sheet of vintage wallpaper. Lots of, like you said, lots of patterns, expert use of lighting and shadows. Yes. Lots of like cool shadows and lighting trickery. Uh, as you mentioned, some of the outdoor shots feature bright sunlight.
1: I love the kimchi making shots yeah, I, too. I know
0: the one you speak of where they were outside. They were almost surrounded by this, like, it looked like a small wading pool, tiny, small wading pool. And they were like making kimchi. The dog was hands. out there. Yeah, the dog was yeah. laying out there. Yeah. It's a great. There were actually
1: a few photos Mm -hmm. like that, and it's
0: not always the most appealing of photos as far as like the food presentation Mm -hmm. goes. But they definitely spark nostalgia
1: for anyone of a certain age. There was like a a pot of soup on a on like a hot plate Mm -hmm. type thing. Well, there was
0: in the I think it was the TV dinner chapter there yes. was there was like the food that was plated on one of those like it was the trays. yeah with with like the different compartments uh like a you know tv dinner tray um but overall really playful f- fun use of props i guess my critique would be that perhaps some of the materials and props used are a bit distracting from the dish okay but they definitely create a vibe that you're either going to love or hate
1: well and the thing is like a lot of the like dinnerware Seem like it was either vintage or it's stuff that you see like in the houseware aisles of the Asian store. Right. You know, when we go to United Noodle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all the stuff that you can find there.
0: There was a photo on page 170 of a shrimp cocktail that I swear could have been a photograph from a family photo taken in the 1970s. (laughs) (laughs) It looked like someone just like plucked that photo out of like someone's photo album and submitted it for the book but i think that even the cover photo of the book which is the soy sauce fried chicken which Mm -hmm. we made i think that perfectly alerts you to what you'll find inside so i mean even if you just see the book cover that's the aesthetic and um that's that's what you're gonna expect yeah uh design and layout what'd you give it i gave it a four okay part memoir part essay part cookbook I love how the chapters are divided. Yes. So it's like things like, and all these have like titles and then they have like little subtitles. So it's like TV dinners, fast foods to eat on the couch. There's a chapter called kimchi is a verb on time capsules and pantry cooking.
1: I'm, you know, I'm kind of sad that we didn't do anything from the kimchi chapter.
0: Although we did have kimchi and spam.
1: Well, but the thing is like all the recipes call for... Like shrimp paste, Mm -hmm. which I can't use. And I do not feel comfortable like making a, like trying to come up. I mean, I know, I know you can like use anchovy paste, Mm -hmm. but personally, I don't feel comfortable trying to do that. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it would have been. I feel you. Yeah. Uh,
0: I love the chapter entitled Garden of Jean, which Mm -hmm. is lovingly named after his mother, the vegetable chapter. And it's kind of a nod to her passion for gardening. Um, I thought the font choice uh, and size were easy to read. There's no cooking or prep times in yes. the book. There is a pantry section in the book, which is actually necessary and useful, since there are some ingredients that are unfamiliar to the typical American pantry. Um, And I think he even mentions in there, we were talking about this in a previous episode, how that pantry section that appears in in most cookbooks, that obligatory chapter is kind of a throwaway section. And he even mentions that in in there, like, where it's just He calls
1: it the boring pantry section in every cookbook, but more fun.
0: Right, (laughs) that no one reads. but, But, you know, and he was like, do I really have to, like be instructed how to open a can of chickpeas. Yeah. <laughs> or something. You know. But to his credit, his pantry section is pretty unique mm-hmm. and actually.
1: It's really important. It's, it's very informative yes. too. Uh,
0: very lengthy head notes. Mm-hmm. I mean there are some that go on for like a page or more. Yes. Um, no surprise given his education and experience as a writer and kind of where he's coming from with this. The pantry ingredients section also lists The Korean letters, too, since many of the products that you would find in a Korean supermarket won't have English words or maybe even a photo. So it helps the reader potentially identify those, Mm -hmm. which I thought was great. That's
1: pretty helpful. Yeah. What'd you give it? I gave it four as well. Um, Yeah, you kind of summed up everything I said. Uh, Or everything... It's because we share the same brain. Yeah, like my notes are kind of identical to yours. Did you mention the font? I thought the font was like really nice and dark.
0: And a a nice bold font, Mm -hmm. easy to read. Because we're old and blind. (laughs) Good font size. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We pay attention to things like, it's
1: it's a good font size. (laughs) (laughs) How lame of us. I know. Um, So yeah, I gave it a four as well. Okay. Uh, Degree of difficulty. I gave it a two. Mm -hmm. Although I have to say... You know, we didn't do some of the, like, longer. I know that, like, there's, like, a stew section, Mm -hmm. which requires you to make your own broth. That time is well worth it. That's why it tastes really good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and it's a lot of inactive time. Correct. You just have to, like, plan accordingly. I didn't think there were any, like, difficult cooking techniques. The recipes were written very clearly. There was nothing where I was, like... Wait, how's that again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, th- I think it's a good book for a novice Yeah, as well as like a seasoned cook. Sure. So yeah, two, what'd you give it?
0: I gave it a two as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're thinking of like, uh, I think this is written by and for home cooks. Mm-hmm. There's no chefy techniques mm-hmm. or presentations. Most of the recipes feature less than five steps to complete. My only critique is some of the ingredients may be a challenge to source depending on where you're living because yes. the, and there are things in there that you may have a dif- difficulty finding and there's no substitutions that are offered right just be forewarned that you might have to you know make a quick search of the internet to you know see how you re- replace this one specific ingredient but like you said nothing is that difficult to make
1: hey so what did you give it i gave it a four okay
0: I don't feel like we needed to make many adjustments to Mm -hmm. the ingredients. Mm -hmm. Everything seemed on. And and when we've worked through books previously that are like Asian cuisine, I think just because of some people's preferences, like in the case of like the use of fish sauce or something, there are times when maybe it's a little assertive for our palate. And I didn't feel like we had to really make any adjustments um, with these ingredients. To like cater to our personal preferences or anything, yeah, like, like they were those, pretty spot on. All and the they spice were flavorful. levels,
1: I really. Mm-hmm. V- with that um, being said, my down?
0: one critique is lots of meat.
1: Mm-hmm. So you
0: know, if, okay. if you're looking for something that's more like plant based, this is probably not the book. The fried chicken was incredible. Yes, I, it's it's like a book that I would probably hold on to just for that fried chicken recipe. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah. What'd you have? I gave it a five. Okay. Like like you said, like we didn't have to do any... Because I feel like sometimes we, like you said, we have to tweak stuff, add a little bit more heat or more salt, more pepper, whatever. I had to
0: knock a, a point off just for that spam because I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling the spam. And I know that's okay. a, that's like a common ingredient. It's a ingredient. personal
1: taste level. I get it. Yeah. And I loved everything that we made. And I like the fact that, you know, like as I was mentioning earlier, like in the stew recipe it's like he's not telling you to add some broth he's like you're gonna make this broth right and it's worth it and it's delicious all right all
0: right well that leads us into our gastro obscura exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions experiences and ingredients from the book of the same name what's our destination this week okay Victoria.
1: so this is uh from denmark and it's called pepservend It's a birthday ritual. And it started out a uh, hundred years ago because traveling spice salesmen were.
0: That's kind of a lost profession. Yes. You don't see many traveling spice. Imagine if someone knocked on your door and was like, <laughs> hey, lady. You
1: want some spices?
0: <laughs> You'd probably have some other ideas of what they were offering than like some cardamom and.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and majorum.
1: So, traveling spice salesmen were referred to as Persevend, uh, which it means pepper companion, and it's because they were never in one place hey lady, long enough. Want
0: a pepper companion? <laughs> well, yes, I do.
1: <laughs> they were never in one place long enough to settle down and marry. And so, this tradition actually still occurs today. Usually, when unmarried people turn twenty-five. They're still known as like Pepper Dudes or Pepper Maidens. And... So this would be kind of like
0: the equivalent in the United States is like a spinster. Yes. Or like a mm-hmm. bachelor or playboy or something. Okay.
1: So what happens is their friends will tie them to a post. They're given goggles and they get what is called cinnamon. They get doused with cinnamon, and sometimes eggs are added to that to make it adhere more, Ooh. mm-hmm. And, and then if you're still single by your 30th birthday, it gets ratcheted up a notch Ooh, no. to pepper, um, and you can expect to receive uh, at least one pepper grinder as, as a gift. Okay. So <laughs>
0: Man, what happens if someone's like a bachelor at like fifty or sixty or something? Right.
1: What are they gonna do? Like
0: they do something with that pepper grinder? <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: All right. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please rank. And hey, review. wait. If,
0: if you were going through this ritual, what spice would you want them to throw at you?
1: Mm, let's see.
0: What, what what spice would you want to be covered in for this I, for this I ritual? I really
1: do. I love cinnamon. Maybe sumac. Oh, okay. <laughs> interesting, <laughs> what about you?
0: Asafatita
1: oh my God, gross <laughs> it stinks so bad, it smells like asshole,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding, okay um yeah you you could do much worse than cinnamon,
1: yeah. Yeah. All right. So as I was saying, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna retitle this episode episode 72. Johnny, Johnny interrupts Victoria the entire time. <laughs> it's gonna be a big. It's gonna be one of our most popular episodes. There you go.
1: If you enjoy the show, please rank and review us. Uh, you can follow us on our socials. Uh, our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books, and our Facebook is at we cook books. All
0: right. I'm gonna rock you with a with a good joke. I I'm doubt a, I'm it. A, I'm gonna lay it on you. I doubt it. All right. Uh, so I don't know if you heard in the news recently about this restaurant that hired a ten year old chef. Um, sadly, they had to let him go once they discovered that he was having a lot of difficulty reaching the items in the kitchen. You might say the stakes were too high.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> it's so not funny. <laughs>
0: I made that one up myself. Is- I invested a lot of hard work. Shut in up. Did you anything.
1: seriously make kind that? Kind of. <laughs> Poorly done, sir.
0: Oh. <laughs> That's all I got. Hey, it's another one I can I can share with my nieces, though. I'm trying to build up my, my repertoire of, of kids' jokes. Oh, sure. So I, I can like entertain the nieces when I got to hang out with them. Uh-huh. Right? So it's, it's another one I can like. Do you
1: want them to hate you?
0: Put in my pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're gonna be like my my uncle. He was he was a he was a laugh riot.
1: Uh-huh. He's a
0: very funny, <laughs> funny guy. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry.
1: Oh my god, I gotta pee.